0: The great Scottish preacher, kind of appropriate since we had a, uh, a, a clan, Scottish clan, uh, joining family, joining us uh, today. But there was a great Scottish preacher by the name of Robert Murray McShane, who once said, How sweet and precious it is to preach directly about Christ compared with all the other subjects of preaching now McShane knew there were plenty of other wonderful subjects in the Bible and a lot of the theology of the great Apostle Paul and a lot of ancient promises and all those things but what McShane was saying here that the most sweet and savoring is to be able to look at Jesus together. To be able to set our eyes upon him. To, in preaching, preach about Jesus. The one who came to this earth to be our Savior. That's the greatest of all contemplations. That's the greatest of all things that we can focus on. All of the Bible is good and necessary, and yet when we cast our eyes and our faith upon Jesus, and that's what McShane was emphasizing, the sweetest of all that directly lead us to Christ and to his life, death, and resurrection. Well, this morning, as you can see, I'm beginning a new Consecutive expository series in the book of Luke. In one of the what are called the Synoptic Gospels, Luke is one of those. And then, of course, the Gospel of John rounds that out, as we'll see. Think of it this way Luke is giving us a picture of Jesus using. His lens, we hope in this series to see our great Savior more and more clearly than we've ever seen him before. Oh, yes, you probably read the Gospels, maybe all of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these that give us a picture of the life and ministry and accomplishments of Jesus. And yet, when we in this series, I hope we will do kind of a combination of what our motto is, that's on our bulletin every week, seeing Jesus together. We want to see Jesus together in the Gospel of Luke. That's what we're going to be doing for quite a while because, by the way, Luke is the most, between Acts and Luke, the Gospel of Luke, which he wrote both, it is the most words used in the New Testament. It is the largest books combined of all the uh, New Testament. So let's begin. We're going to begin with our scripture reading. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Inasmuch as many have undertaken... To compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught that's Luke 1 verses 1 through 4 now today as you can see we're talking about the preface Normally, prefaces don't have a lot of important content, but this does. This preface tells us very, very important things. It's not just general introduction, but it tells us some very important aspects of what Luke is trying to do in writing this gospel. Now, as I said already, unlike Matthew, Mark and John Luke begins with this preface. The others there's a maybe a short prologue but this is a more detailed preface written in excellent Greek. Luke was a very very capable Greek scholar and he also had mastered a very very important literary style that was very contemporary that brought things into the present he was using a style in writing the book of luke that was not used by any of the other authors you see the gospel of luke as we said belongs to what we call the synoptic gospels now why do we say that well because that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, as I said, stands alone. It's not a synoptic gospel. Because though it has some of the same stories, John really gets much further off in his focus. Whereas the, the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics, they are similar, though not altogether the same. Luke does have material that the others do not and vice versa. But it's called the synoptic because of the, the, the uh, phrase sin, which means, uh, or see, which means optic, uh, together. See together, thus sin optic. It's thus, it's the synoptic gospels. And Paul encountered Luke on his second missionary journey. Now, who was Luke? Luke was the only gospel writer that was Greek. He was a Gentile. And as I said, he wrote and spoke Greek fluently. And his name is a Greek name. And as I said, Paul encountered him in Troas, which is basically part of sticking out on the ocean in the Mediterranean or the Mediterranean Sea pretty near where probably ancient Troy was. Troas in that general area uh, in, in Turkey. And that's where he met Luke on his second missionary journey. Paul refers to him at various times in the various texts. He refers to him as the doctor because he was a physician. Uh, physicians of that time Probably didn't have the credentials that we physicians have today. But nonetheless, he had a a very apparently effective way in dealing with those that were sick and ill and needed care. And so he calls him the doctor in one case. He calls him in another place our dear friend. So obviously Paul had a, a deep affection for Luke. And he is also referred to as our fellow worker. He's right in there uh, working hard like Paul and all the rest in getting the gospel out into new uh, areas and new vistas. And also, it's interesting, Paul later tells us in one of his last writings in epistles, he tells us that only Luke is left. A lot of his compadres and, and helpers had through the years come and gone and yet now, at the very end of his life, there's Luke is still with him. So obviously, Luke and Paul had a lot of conversations together. There were times they were divided and, and split, but they spent a lot of time together through the years. And Luke was there toward the end with the Apostle Paul. Now... As I said, we've already established that Luke was a physician, but do you know what else he was? He was a musician. Well, maybe not exactly in the sense that we think of that, like the choir or or an ensemble or something like that. But he did write about a gospel that was full of singing. Just think of the first few chapters when we see the announcements in the of the angels visiting Mary and Elizabeth they're called in in latin the nunc dimittis and the magnificat and the gloria those are those are all things lifting up praise and worship and singing to god luke is the one of course that writes that part we love so much you know in the uh the Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he, that picture of the angels and singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with, to whom God is pleased. So, gospel full of singing. Now, here's the outline for today. Luke's declaration, Luke's determination, and Luke's dedication. So, there's a declaration. There is determination uh, conveyed here in the text. And there is a dedication. This is for someone. All right? Let's look at that declaration. That's in verses 1 and 2. Now, up front, Luke tells us something very, very important about his gospel project, about this attempt to write another gospel. There were many writers before him and he wanted to make sure that his audience grasped the important aspect of Jesus' mission on earth, on this earth. He wanted to make sure that they understood why Jesus came. Listen again to verse 1b. And he says, Inasmuch as... As many have undertaken to compile a narrative and listen, here's the point of the things that have been accomplished among us. A narrative, a story about the things that have been accomplished among us. Now, The ESV is a good translation. We use it. It's what's in your pew Bible. It's what I read from. It's what's on the screens. Uh, And it's a good translation. But here the ESV falls a little bit short. It's better than the King James or some of the others. It gets closer when it uses the word accomplish. But that's not really even the word. that's really what Luke is conveying. What he's really driving at A better rendering would be this. It reached fulfillment among us. It wasn't just something that was accomplished. It reached fulfillment, which implies something in the past that was coming into focus and reality. You see, these events didn't just occur or just happen. That Luke is going to write down and catalog in this gospel. They were fulfilled. Luke is referring, of course, what? To the promises of the Old Testament scriptures, were filled and replete with prophets talking about what will one day come. And those prophets, those those prophets. Were making promises. So we could think of it this way. Promises made was the Old Testament. Promises kept is the New Testament. Kept or fulfilled. Old Testament books look forward to God keeping his promises. New Testament books are the record of how God fulfilled or kept those promises. So... Luke is not just saying, hey, I'm going to write a story here. He's saying, I want you to understand, this thing goes way, way back. And God's been promising this, and now it's coming, and finally in Jesus Christ, it's being fulfilled. Every good promise of God is being fulfilled in that time. You see, having explained that, Luke then declares something very interesting. Remember I said that was the first point. A declaration. He declares something very interesting. He says right up front that he is not an eyewitness of the stories that he's recording for his audience then and now. Back then, when he was writing it, and to you here today within the sound of my voice. He was writing that, but he said, I was not an eyewitness. I wasn't there. But, though he was not there, he spoke directly to those who, the text says, were those who from the first were eyewitnesses. Imagine how many times through the years that Luke in compiling both this book and Acts, how many times that he sat down with eyewitnesses. And there was a sense of urgency because Luke knew. He knew the way that the gospel was going into the Gentile world. He knew things were going to be changing and for long there would be people that would not have been first-generation witnesses of these things. And so he sought to interview them and to make sure that he was getting the story clear and straight. Luke was not an apostle. Nevertheless, he was a close companion of the apostles, especially the apostle Paul. I want you to listen to this uh, quote by, uh, this, is, this is a tough, this is a, I think this is a, this is an African uh, name and it's a little tough for me to uh, do justice to this, but I'll, I'll try my best. Thabiti uh, Anabinwile. This is a commentator on the gospel of Luke and Thabiti said this, that refers To all the people at the time who saw these things. He's talking about the ones that were eyewitnesses. He says that refers to all the people at the time who saw these things. He refers also to the apostles who were servants of the word and companions with Jesus. He's saying Luke is getting all this stuff straight from the horse's mouth. This is not third-person hearsay. In the Gospels, we have eyewitness evidence admissible in a court of law. In fact, some scholars believe that Luke and Acts are companion volumes written as a legal brief in defense of the Apostle Paul. If this forms part of a legal brief, then Luke's roots, then Luke roots his account in evidence, not imagination. In other words, Luke is not just kind of run, running around saying, "Hey, did you ever hear about the story about this?" And tell me about." He was going to the sources, sitting down carefully compiling. He was a great scholar as well as a physician and he was making sure that the story was clear and it would be able as we'll see to carry on into the future though Luke never met Jesus in person he did research and thoroughly in depth interview these people who were first generation witnesses I like the way um, this is implied. It's implied in the chosen. I know some of you have perhaps seen the chosen. Some of you maybe have not. If you are a person that has seen it and you didn't didn't appreciate certain aspects of it, well, join the crowd. But they got a lot of things right. Not perfect. There's, there's some places where I would I would, if they were consulting with me, I would suggest to do it a little bit differently. But I love this part about it. They show Luke having interaction with Mary and with the mother of Jesus. That very well could have happened. We don't absolutely know it. That's somewhat a projection. But this point here is is the idea that these interviews Luke is having these interviews wanting to make sure and they show that in that film. It's very effective and I think that's that's exactly the kind of thing. We don't know who all those witnesses were specifically, but we know that he was careful and having contact with firsthand sources. Another interesting thing is that Luke Includes parts of Jesus' life and teaching that are not in any other gospel. Not in any other gospel. Particularly the parts that focus on and highlight women, children, and the outcasts. The down and out. The ones that weren't given any hope. Yet, Luke's compassionate heart, like his Savior, focuses on that more than any other gospel writer, and and uniquely so in in many of those cases. Now, the determination is the second point. That's in 3a and b. Luke tells us that he was determined to write an orderly account. An orderly account. He wanted to give his story clear solid structure. The Greek word there for orderly that is translated orderly is also can be translated in sequence to time space and logic. So he's talking about something that's not just linear. He's talking about something that's orderly, but maybe not in the way that we normally think. Normally we think, okay, it just goes straight down the line. No, not with Luke, as we'll see. um, Luke shaped, consequently, Luke shaped his story more geographically than chronologically a lot of people are not aware of that but if you read the the gospel of Luke you'll find in some things that may frustrate you because if you look at Matthew's account or you look at some of the others it's like wait a minute well Luke's out of sync here he's he's wait a minute that Jesus was down in Jerusalem at that time what does he mean He he was still up in Galilee or vice versa Well, Luke is not trying to tell you a chronologically precise story. He's talking to you about the big picture of the purpose and the coming of Jesus. Luke is focusing more on the geographical than on the chronological. Not that he doesn't. He does use chronology, of course. He's focusing. He's not worried about, wait a minute, did he go back here again, then bounce back here, and then bounce back. He's just saying, no, this thing has a sweep and a perspective, and it's going somewhere from this place to that place. Think of it this way. Luke saw it all as a journey that Jesus was taking from the north, to the south, from Nazareth to the temple. That was where it would all end. And he doesn't record for us the time when Jesus was in the temple and then went back up north again or went out to another place or in Samaria or someplace like that or even outside. No, he doesn't record that. He's got a beeline focus on getting Jesus to Jerusalem. He wants to make that abundantly clear. And so he's not as concerned about the pure chronology. But he is writing a very organized, orderly account chronologically. Luke wrote for these two purposes. First, to provide a concrete foundation for, faith, for the faith of his audiences. Then and now. Secondly... To present Jesus to unbelievers. Luke had a, a gospel passion to see people saved and come to Jesus. He presented... He, uh, he, Jesus uh, was, was focused on unbelievers and, pr- and he wanted to prove... Luke wanted to prove... That the God-man who came was not only the savior of the Jews, but the savior of the Gentiles as well. The savior of humanity, Jew and Gentile alike. Now, finally, the dedication. The dedication, what's that about? That's in, in the what you could call C4. Or 4C, where uh, it's the very end of 3 and into beginning into the last line of the preface. The orderly, which, let me read that again to you. Most excellent Theophilus, that's the C part, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been. The orderly account that Jesus was, uh, that Luke was writing, was dedicated to a guy by the name of Theophilus. Now, question is, who was Theophilus? Well, we really don't absolutely for sure know. But I think there's some things that we can possibly get our hands around or our, our minds around. For starters, he could be nobody. I mean, not, not a nobody, but literally nobody. In other words, there is there's no Theophilus. It may be a made-up person representing all of those who go by his name. Theophilus. You know what it means? Lover of God. In that sense, every Christian is Theophilus. Lover of God. So it could have been Paul was just kind of using that to say, For all you who loved Jesus, that's who this book is about. That's what I want you to know. These things. I'm doing this for you. That could be the case. But, though we don't know, it's also quite likely that he may have been A Greek official, this Theophilus guy, that was maybe even involved in Paul's trial. Luke was there at that time. And maybe, indeed, he was trying to convince this civil official by the name of Theophilus and may have written much in order to try to either strengthen his faith or bring him to faith telling the stories and particularly the focus on the apostle paul obviously he must have been pretty uh, if it was if it was a guy a real person he must have been very patient because obviously luke wrote a very big gospel the gospel of luke and acts and so again they may have both played together to strengthen or bring this guy, Theophilus, to faith. Now, whoever he was, Luke said, I want, him, I want you to have a certainty concerning the things that have been taught to you. Luke was well aware that other faithful accounts of the life of Jesus had been written. He knew that there were other good stories written accurately about the life of Jesus. But he had a concern. He had a concern that a version of the story of Jesus would need to have chops to go global and stay there. In other words, he, that it would need to be strong enough, significantly powerful, and compelling enough that it would go into the places that are new frontiers, uncharted territory. That gospel bringing, it would have to be historically substantial if it was going to make impact. And so he wanted to put together not only a story that was true, but that had proofs and evidence built right into it. He knew that the time would come we heard it in Sunday school this morning. Paul warning against wolves that would come in and destroy the flock. He knew that false teachers, he knew that heresy would arise and threaten. And so he wanted to make sure that the accounts were airtight, were clear. There wasn't any way that somebody could say, well, I thought it meant this. He was being clear in order to have a grounded historical gospel with power. Grounded historical strength. That's what Luke was trying to put together in his composition. And that's what he was telling Theophilus. I'm, I'm going to put together something like that for this purpose. Now, we may be certain because the Christian faith is historically accurate. It's historical faith. It's not just, hey, let me tell you a fable. Let me tell you a story and just make up a story and say, oh, is it real? No, no, it's not real. It's just kind of, you know, give you some, you know, some things to think about. No, Looks as everything I'm telling you happened. Real life people were there. They saw it. They were in the seat of it. The, they witnessed it They were there, they put their finger. He said, this is not story making up. This is grounded historical faith. Luke points to evidence outside the Bible. Many times he does this. You'll see it as we go along. He points to many things outside the Bible to verify the accuracy of the Bible. In other words, why does he write in these things like when Quirinius was governor? What has that got to do with anything? He's trying to tell you, I'm not making this up as I go. I am telling you, every one of these things happened. You know, it was right here on this street corner that this went down. And there are people that are eyewitnesses saw it. There, Jesus was there when the, this many people saw He was strengthening the historical foundations of our faith Luke points as I said to evidence outside the Bible for believing what's inside Luke's history is no mere chronicle of the dead this is his story you've heard that expression so many times but it's true it's his story it's our God's story it's Jesus' story And the story that Jesus not only communicates today, but he invites us to join the narrative. To join the narrative and help pass it on to others. He says this very story that Luke wrote, he's inviting other Theophiluses, if we take take it the more generic way, He's inviting other lovers of Jesus to take that story and join in the narrative and pass it on. Just like Luke was doing. Go pass it on. Go pass it on. Share it with others. Don't hold it back. Tell the story to them. Children, tell the story to your friends. That's a lot of what happens at Awana. Treasure box time, Right? Miss Louise, or what? What is it called? The the uh... life-saver. lifesaver time. Yeah, T- tell the story to your your fr- your friends. You see, Luke sought to give historically grounded truth, and he really went out of his way to make sure those things were factual, they were accurate, they were clear, and they were truthful. But you know what? There was one thing he loved more than getting it right. There's one thing he wanted even more than historically grounded truth. Even more, he wanted us to keep our focus on Jesus the way he did. He is obsessed with Jesus. You will see it and hear it all throughout the gospel. He is amazed. He uses the word amazed over and over and over again. He feels the Savior's compassion. He is obsessed with the one and only Jesus. And the only way... We can become sure of our salvation it is not out by looking outward or looking inward. It is by looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12:2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, here we are again, where we began, seeing Jesus together in the Gospel of Luke. That's what this is all about. Seeing Jesus together in the Gospel of Luke. That's what the series is all about. Come join me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would help us see Jesus together in this wonderful gospel that your Holy Spirit led him to write. And to give us another perspective on your amazing and beautiful son. Father, let us with McShane delight in Christ. Above all else, that we are passionately in love with him who for our sakes died and rose again. Father, help us to see through the lens that Luke provides, and let the gospel continue to change us and show us more of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.